My name is Samantha Smith. Oh, I'm Riley Birch. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about today merchandising in the entertainment industry, specifically in music. So, Riley, you want to tell them about your credentials? Um, so I, um, as far as education, I have an undergrad in business and then I have my MBA in, uh, so I have a master's in business administration. And then I, during COVID opened an Etsy shop that was all fan merch. So unlicensed fan merch. And that is now my full-time job. Um, I've moved off of Etsy. I have my own site now. I've been doing this for almost three years I design and produce, I design, produce, and fulfill all of my own orders, I think. I've had, between Etsy and my own site, <clears throat> I've had somewhere between thirty-five and 40,000 orders in the past three years. So, those are my credentials for today. Okay, my credentials is I, well, are. That's not how sentences go. <laughs> my credentials are I am a full-time student seeking my entertainment management bachelor's degree, as well as a minor in mass media, which kind of covers some marketing and a little bit more about um, focusing kind of on the current type of marketing going on with the world, which is nice. Um, some other things that I have under my belt is, uh, well, I keep saying is, that's not how sentences go. I don't like that. <laughs> you know. Are you going to cut that out? No, I'm going to keep it in authentic um also i was a um i worked for a street team for some local radio stations i would say maybe in 2018 2019 well 2018 no 2017 to around the end of the beginning of the pandemic that was when everything shut down but for a whole year i was a live events and experiences coordinator i was the assistant to uh one of the big dogs in my company i would put on ferris festivals concerts um live events i um helped procured both artists as well as um some vendors and went through the day in and day out kind of things um besides that i have a small social media presence where I not only um, talk about uh, music and things that I'm interested in, but I also um, promote my small Etsy business. I have not as I have had as many sales as Riley, but I keep it more on the casual. So the same thing, kind of casual <laughs> fan merch, and I have had that since. Ooh. I would say maybe like, not three years. Maybe this is my third year. I would say this is my third year. But did you like? If you started around COVID, you're going into your third. Year. Yeah, I started around, yeah. yeah, the summer. I started with like a little small baby iPad and kind of worked my way up. And now I kind of just do it as a little <laughs> side hustle, extra money, something I just feel is fun. But those are our basic credentials for what we have, besides being what this podcast is called executive fangirls um both riley and i had recently together gone to all the way to travel and see harry styles in uh, los angeles california and we we we, we can travel <laughs> to go see artists we appreciate riley has traveled more than i have to see artists that we love but yeah. besides that we both kind of have a good interpretation of kind of the industry as well as our own opinions. Yeah. So, and I definitely feel like I, <clears throat> this is my full-time job now. So I'm constantly watching what other people are doing, what artists are doing, what different industries. So like if you get away from music, if you get into TV movies, um, I'm constantly watching what they're doing with merchandising. Cause that's the realm that I live in now. Um, so I have a vested interest in it now. Absolutely. I have less of a vested interest, but I absolutely adore seeing how different brands are able to market themselves 
yeah. and change with the times um, mm-hmm. because it's so important to stay current as well as knowing your audience as audiences definitely change like some artists have known um i think even shania twain once said somewhat recently when interviewed well not shania sorry dolly parton thanked miley cyrus for bringing her to an audience that she was not going to get um she thanked her by saying you put me on hannah montana and introduced me to a generation of people i probably would never have um been told to unless like their parents or grandparents talked about them so it's all about kind of perspective in this and i think it's very interesting to see how artists are able to change stuff Mm -hmm. um so when we look at just merchandising overall um what's considered merchandise merchandise is really just anything you can buy that is related to an artist um i feel like it's definitely exploded I feel like it's further now, it's like gone further than it ever has before because I feel like people are buying things now because they remind them of their favorite artist, even if they don't specifically have that artist written on them. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we had this before. I feel like when people like to talk about old music, they talk about like um, Elvis and the Beatles and people were buying merch for Elvis and merch for the Beatles, but were they buying things just because it like reminded them of the Beatles? I don't think so. I think that we've kind of gotten to the point now where people are spending so much money on like what is quote unquote merchandise um, that like the realm of merchandising has gotten to the point to where you don't even have to put a brand name or a logo on something for it to still be desirable by fans. Oh, absolutely. I think you can Um, even point that out by looking at um, a TikTok modern day lingo of people referring to things as like coded and you can see like even even artists such as elvis and the beatles you can be like oh this is beatles coded oh this yeah. is elvis presley coded it's just having something where you can be like it kind of revolves around their aesthetic or or it was something that they wore often and people will be like yeah. oh here's a replication of it here is the exact item still being made today here's where you can buy it And that is definitely something you'll notice. A lot of people will buy things that artists have worn and kind of just make them synonymous. Like, this item equals that artist. Yeah. Um, And if we want to focus in on musicians, um, typical merchandise that artists themselves put out. So, officially licensed merchandise. Um, A new big one is vinyl. We're actually going to talk a little bit more on vinyl in a second. Um apparel which is a pretty apparel which is pretty basic um home goods you'll see artists put out like blankets um i've seen some artists put out candles that kind of thing and then we get into like just accessories so like jewelry tote bags water bottles pretty much anything that you can slap a logo on and someone can carry out of a show or can have shipped to their home artists and there is an artist out there doing it i mean even when we get into like do you remember the um little nas like blood shoes which i don't even think were a product that you could actually buy weren't they i thought they were a mischief thing yeah but it's still little nas so yeah it's still merchandise mm-hmm. but even then like i don't even think that was a tangible product you could buy it was just like the concept of it as merchandise there are plenty of artists who do that where they will show like a concept piece or they'll like post um like even just like a 3d rendering of a fake product and a lot of times people were like oh my god i want that and it's like not even on april fool's day it's not even on april fool's day it's not real you got played (laughs) (laughs) and there's like no way for it to be real no there's Um, no way for it to be real but then but then here it come the fans who will recreate it so there's always a way to get tangible merchandise so I really want to focus on vinyl for a quick moment because mm-hmm. vinyl definitely has had a resurgence in what would you say like the past 10 years? So vinyl's been outselling CDs for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that it definitely started with the millennials. For sure. Um, but it's trickled down into Gen Z now and I don't think you could relate it to like one specific um moment generation of people i definitely think millennials got it started i feel like gen z it's really taken off during covid i feel like vinyl collecting was very in just because 
people didn't have anything else to do other than online shop. People no. were doing a lot of online shopping. There wasn't an opportunity to go to concerts, so artists who already had music out would do re-releases or pressings on, like... Repressings, yeah. yeah. on, like, different types of vinyl colors. It had become kind of... As much as I am not the biggest fan of Taylor Swift, she was great for doing it where she had yeah. for both folklore and evermore her two albums that she put out during like the biggest part of she had COVID. huge vinyl releases for both i want to say like maybe eight variants a piece there were a lot of maybe not for evermore but folklore mm-hmm. had there was a whole collection evermore there was a whole collection they all had alternative covers mm-hmm. um i would say for folklore the vinyl is one of the most collectible things that came out um for Billie Eilish is happier than ever. All of her variants are some of the most like collectible pieces of merch from that time. Phoebe Bridger's Punisher mm-hmm. came in a bunch of like limited edition, kind of scattered all over um, variants where you could get them from like different sellers or she was releasing them, but like only one variant at a time. And then Harry Styles um, eventually started doing it. He started doing it. He didn't even do it with um, Fine Line was simple. Fine Line had three. And Fine Line wasn't as valuable then. No. As it is now, because now he only had three variants. He had the white, the pink, and then the black pressing. The black pressing, well, he had four, because the white, the pink. There wasn't a the pink. Black... There wasn't a pink. <laughs> For Fine Line. Oh, Fine Line is Coke bottle. Yeah. Sorry. Fine For... Line was Coke bottle green, black and white splatter on clear, and then, and then um, black. And then just black. And then yeah. there was eventually a heavyweight, I, th- I forget how many grams, but like a heavyweight. From the box. Yeah, the box set yeah. one, which didn't count because it was not a standard pressing. It was valued higher. It was like, I think, I want to say for the box, it was like a hundred something dollars. But that, from that moment on when he and his team saw how lucrative people were, like how lucrative vinyl was at the moment, then when Harry's House came out, even though Harry's House came out at a time when the pandemic was, like, the pandemic Over. is definitely simmered down. It's not really it's a pandemic. Tired, yeah. It's still just kind of a thing we're dealing with. But uh, Harry's House has the orange, the yellow. The green. The green. And then the black. Picture, the picture disc and the black. So there's five complete mm-hmm. variants out there. And... All of, not all of them were easily accessible. So, like, with um, Taylor Swift, um, you could order all of them online if you live in the U.S. Um, for Happier Than Ever, you could order them all. As long as you live in the U.S., when you start getting into the U.K., like, vinyl availability gets harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Harry's house, so the orange was only available at his one-night-only show and then the pop-ups. And then eventually, for some reason, you can now find it, I think, at Select Target's. At select targets, but not all of them. Not all targets. And same with their, uh, with the picture CD book. But, yes, the yellow was available only at targets. And at first it was only online, pre-order. A lot of the artists use pre-ordering. Um, I know with Especially for vinyl. Absolutely. With Billie Eilish is happier than ever. She had, like, an HMV, which is, I believe, the UK, if not Australia's equivalent to, like, a target. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, so many, like... And then there's also, because of the influx of people enjoying vinyl and vinyl collecting, record stores and Record Store Day has now become competition central. And so a lot of um, (coughs) artists will put special variants that go specifically to these record stores. So there's Billie Eilish had a record store exclusive. Harry did not have a record store exclusive. Taylor is actually a record store day ambassador. Mm -hmm. So she is like one step further and she's had some like seven inches Mm -hmm. um, that have been record store day exclusive. She has an old record store day exclusive for an album that came out over 10 years ago. um, That is super valuable. Now it is, it was far easier to get it back when it came out. Yeah. um, Vinyl collecting is not only something that's very lucrative for not necessarily in general for specific artist sales it's lucrative for the uh, production company as well as a bunch of different you know venues of making the money but it is one of the hottest commodities for collecting a lot of fans be- found themselves becoming collectors rather than just necessarily like standard like fans. Like enjoyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't really play their records. I personally can tell you I don't really play my records because I kind of made a rule for my own self where I, if I'm going to buy a record, I'm going to try to not get just standard black pressings unless they are like 
I don't want to say vintage because I feel like that's cruel, <laughs> but like unless they're an older album um, that never would have come out in a pressing other than just black, but it has become a commodity that is out of ranking where it's collectible. Um, um, and you get into variant collectors who, so like for Billie Eilish, she put out eight variants. I have six of them. Taylor Swift's Midnights came out in six variants, five on her site, one on Target's. Um, and I own eight copies of her vinyl because I also had to buy yeah. the signed copies. And did you get out. the, and did, there's also the four that make up the Midnight's Clock. Yeah, which is now a merchandising tactic of hers because you had to buy all four variants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also had to buy the little stands that hold them up <laughs> and the little clock piece that goes in the middle. But I did appreciate one marketing, uh, not necessarily, uh, this is not marketing, this is just like, packaging quality where she included stickers that go on the back so the barcodes are covered yeah i I mean she definitely thought it through i would say taylor swift is like the queen of merchandising um is that necessarily a good or a bad thing who's to say (laughs) yeah and also i would say that we get into the realm of over merchandising when it gets to taylor swift you start feeling nickeled and dimed and i I'm an avid Taylor Swift fan, so when I say we, I mean me and all of the other crazy people. Um, There's definitely a large population of Taylor Swift fans who feel the exact same way. And it's such a thin line between something being cute and gimmicky and something being over-merchandising and feeling like a money grab. Um, You know, she put out with uh, one of her last albums that she put out, she put out matches that you could buy, like a matchbook. Um, she did snow globes I've seen like I'm not a Taylor Swift music connoisseur but I I she will end up on any form of social media I get so I will see that there was uh the classic and honestly I feel like the most iconic type of merchandising was the cardigans that she made for her albums I think what I have the cardigan on the list Samantha and we will talk about it in a minute I know we will talk about it in a minute but like that interrupting me. <laughs> the cardigans kind of there are so many things that kind of changed the course of merchandising especially yeah. the pandemic like we will continue to say multiple times pandemic covid uh the tiktokification of merch buying everything like kind of flows together yeah and uh, i think that kind of leads are you good with your thought um uh, i was trying to think if there was nothing oh um I was going to lead into resellers. And yeah, I think this is time. Go I'm, I'm going to look real quick. Uh, Yeah, like uh, very quickly to touch on. There are so many other merchandising options that artists will put out that are basic and a lot more consistent. Like most in like you couldn't you can't look at an artist and not think that they have a T-shirt, a tote yeah. bag, a water bottle, a hat, stickers, keychains. I've been at festivals before with like the super tiny people that they put on the stage at 9 a.m. when your headliner's up at 11 (laughs) p.m. They're selling like the merch stand has stuff for them and it's like handmade hats. I saw a girl named Daisy World this summer who had hats that she makes (coughs) being sold at the merch stand. I mean, like it's you get no matter how small an artist is, they start merchandising almost almost immediately yeah and you kind of get to see like what they go through because you'll start like when you have an opener for a show they've got one shirt at the stand but you know if you go to a casey mace uh casey musgraves concert now you know she had like one shirt at the when she opened for harry styles and now you know she has yeah a whole round of merch i very much appreciate going to small band shows and seeing that they don't start necessarily with like a whole broad spectrum of merch and they they pick the important (laughs) things posters um, maybe a signed option for any of these things if they're small artists. I w- went to a King Princess concert, I want to say, in, like, 2018, 2019, right before she was announced that she was originally going to be the opener for the Love on Tour uh, show. Um, it was... Oh, it was the night... It was actually the night of that it was released that he was going on tour. Um, she had just not a whole lot of merch, but everything that she had, I thought was good. But, like, yeah, it's important to realize that merchandising is definitely a the first thought that i think when an artist should go on tour or if they're going on tour with any kind of like following so let's go into reselling though yes i feel like that's a hot topic i want to talk about so when you get into merch some merch as we've already said is more valuable than other merch um other merchandise um so like you said the taylor swift cardigans those came out when she put out her album folklore in coat during covid They've been through a couple of editions. She put out the first co- uh, cardigan, and she actually had a 
trademark suit against her for the way that she put her label on the cardigan on the sleeve and so she had to, no because she used to have it up at the uh, top like, where like a logo would be like on a collared shirt i like it on the had, sleeve better anyway she changed the little patch and then she put it it's never been on the sleeve oh sorry isn't it isn't it on the uh the bottom it's on the bottom my now. bad um but she put out the cardigans the first cardigans that came out the first batch that have the logo up on the chest mm -hmm. are the most valuable on the resale market well she put out three during like the folklore evermore time there was the cream colored one a gray one and a green one mm -hmm. um the gray and the green are like if you have those it doesn't matter what the housing prices are you will you will always be able to buy a house in cash those things are freaking cash oh those yeah are valuable. yeah i saw someone oh. wearing the gray one today and she complimented my uh hoodie that i was wearing can't believe she was wearing that out in public she's not handling her investment well to be fair um, it could have been a re it could have been a remake because yeah we can touch on that later but we, we're not we, getting into that yet we're, uh -uh. we're, we're saving we're <laughs> look at the chart samantha oh i am i i know putting a pin in it so yeah um, reselling so how do artists play a role so we're talking about resellers how do artists play a role in this um by making things that are limited edition artists know that something is going to be desirable and nothing that artists are sell has to be limited quantity well sometimes um, sometimes it's very strange what they a lot they of art, what what actually becomes very popular because i don't yeah. think that harry styles thought that any of those um original uh hs1 which was for his first tour live on tour any of those specific pieces of merch would have been collectors but they immediately did because they were not only high quality but they had embroidery which as you do yourself can realize yeah. that that is a hot commodity people will pay an it's arm and a leg higher it's so more expensive to produce it's more expensive to produce and people realize the value in it because they understand that not only is it something that takes a little bit more time and effort than a standard screen printing, it's something that people want more. But all of those can be brought back. That's just all, of, all, all of those can be brought back. But the thing is, will they? The gray and the green cardigans, that doesn't have to be limited. That could come back. And it has come back. Sometimes she'll re-put them on the site and they'll be up for about two minutes. Mm -hmm. And you're like, where did you find these gray slash green cardigans? Like, why were they up for five seconds? Um, other things that were super valuable, um, the One Direction car. The One Direction um, car was, what, what, uh, <laughs> the One Direction <laughs> car was, is, is, uh, I feel like more marketing rather than merchandising because. It's still merch. Oh, well, you can't wear it. there was, there was not just one car. There's, I think there was a few. I want to say, I think there was two or three. They were Kias, I believe. Um. What other car would it be? Obviously, who knows? It's a, it's a One Direction Kia. I can't remember the name of the um, of the competition contest. I feel like it was like something ridiculous. I'm gonna look it up very quickly if you want to take the ball for a moment. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, uh, another thing that's super popular. Taylor Swift has snow globes uh, that have a specific thing inside of them. She's made multiple different snow globes. She has one snow globe that is super desirable. I think it's sold for thousands of dollars on the resale market. Taylor Swift can get a manufacturer, even if her old manufacturer can't make her those snow globes that she put out years ago, she can find a new manufacturer to make them. She chooses not to, even though there's obviously a demand there. Um, and so I think artists do play a hand in what resellers will find as valuable and what they won't. Um, Taylor Swift during Midnights, Taylor Swift put out a uh, signed vinyl hand signed by her and people bought them up like crazy because they thought they were going to have resale value and then they stayed up on her website for an entire week um so there's nothing like those aren't intrinsically valuable at this point because all of the fans who wanted to get them got them yeah apologies to interrupt it was a honda civic not a kia and it was one direction or a honda tour it was very weird um but it was a contest. A woman it's just won it. Every fifteen-year-old fangirl wants. It was for a it, One Direction Honda. A One Direction Honda Civic. It was kind of like pimped out a little bit for what tour was this? I just had it up. It disappeared. Uh, it was the Honda Civic for the Honda Civic on tour. On the way home. On the way back tour. Was there? Two? I think there, actually no. There was two. Where is this? On the one? way back tour. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? There was one made for Made in the AM, which was their last album. Yeah. And then the other one was for the Where We Are tour. Yeah. Which 
unfortunately, I didn't go to any of these tours. So, it's okay. Um, and I don't think that some merch having a high resale value is really new. I mean, like, baseball cards um, have always, like, there's always been some baseball cards that were more valuable than other. There's jerseys, like, if we're looking at sports things. Mm -hmm. um, some jerseys are more valuable than other jerseys. People collect, like, signed balls that are then mm -hmm. sold on the resale market. So, resellers, as far as merch go, isn't a new concept. But Absolutely I do feel not. Like, <clears throat> I feel like in music, it's getting far more expensive. It, as, as, as the Harry Styles stand here, uh, like the, the OG, um, I will tell you that from the perspective that I have, um, prior to the pandemic, I did not notice a lot of people caring. And personally, I did not care as well for a lot of vinyl collecting, um, overbuying of merch, which I think is a personal opinion. I don't necessarily think that there's necessarily too much merch to have. If you want it, buy it. Whatever. Your yeah. money. However, there was... there. There's a very fine line, haha, that people can wander where they will show off what they have and people will get FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's, it's social media's role here, because it's just comparing the Joneses, but now instead of comparing yourself to your neighbors, you're comparing yourself to every single person you see on social media. I'd say TikTok is a great one, Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. They have these <clears throat> learned algorithms so that the people you're surrounded by are the people who are like you, the people who view content like you, the people who make content like you. Um, and you can find yourself in this real bubble where you're seeing all of these other people who like all the same things you do, except they are somehow doing it slightly better. They have cooler stuff than you. And you start to worry, am I less of a fan? And this is the big thing that I think is a focus. You start to think that you are lesser. And it's not the person who you're watching saying, you need to buy all these things. It's not that. They are never going to say, you need this. Because that's kind of just, well, you know. as a merch seller, sometimes we do say that. But... Well, as a merch seller, yeah. But that's <laughs> because we always would like to be like, we make something different. Not necessarily better, but just we yeah. offer we offer mainly yourself. You offer something that is different than what people are producing, and that goes into people with the unlicensed merch. But we'll get to that in a moment. I think that it's the FOMO, the fear of missing out, which causes people to have it be trigger happy when they press pay, and they'll end up buying things that not necessarily they don't like, but then it'll grow on them, and then. There, like you said, there's no way to tell what piece is going to blow up and be the most popular. I know a lot of artists will put out, um, <clears throat> like Harry, he will put out singles. And the singles will have a 7-inch pressing that will not be necessarily limited edition sometimes. It'll stay on his site for a little bit. but Like limited availability. Yeah, limited availability. Yeah. You will be hard-pressed to find someone selling one of those seven inches for under $100. What did they originally sell for? Um, all of them were originally around, like, $12. One of the yeah. most coveted... So, you mentioned what the most coveted uh, Taylor Swift things are. I will tell you, the Harry Styles has uh, his pink and white pressing for HS1, his first album, his self-titled album, Harry Styles. And then, after that... You have any, which I feel like is not necessarily Harry merch. Uh, you have any of the magazines he did when he freshly was le uh, leaving One Direction after he got his hair cut, that kind of... Those are merch. That's merch. That magazines are merch. I know. Just because the artist themselves isn't selling it. He got paid to do those photos. He did. Those were his... The three, the three covers, uh, the black and white, the long hair, and then... Uh, and then the one where he kind of had, like... Like kind of like a Beatles mop. It was like kind of like a yeah. uh, a a British rock star was, bump. It was very like British rock Beatles esque, yeah. Yeah. And then uh that was the black and white, and then there's one where he's kind of having the same mop. But um the other thing that those those can run you in the range of around two hundred plus dollars for just a single or for one. A magazine. Yeah. And then after that is um in the 200 range one of the seven inches which is the side of the times and on the back of it i believe it's ever since new york but it could be mimi in the hallway um I think, it's in the hallway. I think so which i think i think he opened i think no he opened a couple of shows with ever since new york but 
like I said, the market is Harry Styles. You could put a microphone in his face and a microphone in Taylor Swift's face and ask them, what do you think was going to be the most expensive piece of merch for the resale market? They would be able to tell you they not w- a clue. They cannot tell they you. Cannot they couldn't tell you ahead of time. They couldn't um, tell you ahead of time. Of, uh, absolutely. And with the vinyl, again, some of these, some of this vinyl is so expensive on the resale market, it could get pressed again. I know that there is back, there are backups when it comes to pressing, but he could get in line and put them into production. Yeah, there was, um, I feel, have them out in the next eight months. I think something important to note is there was a big problem with vinyl pressing for a while, especially, uh, it was during the pandemic when, uh, one of the main product, uh, producers of these vinyl burned down. So... <laughs> It was a big problem because a lot of artists had vinyl that they were having made there that no longer could get to the U.S. I think it was stationed in the U.S. I think it was like there's like two big ones in the United States. And this was one of them. Um, So then you didn't have any new vinyl entering the market. No. People were buying resale. I think people started getting used to buying resale and they started getting used to paying resale prices. Mm -hmm. And the prices didn't drop. The prices have just stayed inflated. Um, yeah, there's a hot, it, they're a hot commodity. You will see oftentimes, and this is something very interesting that I don't think people would necessarily see before this, that people will oftentimes uh, put on social media that they're willing to trade some of these priceless quote unquote pieces to get tickets for these concerts that are also having yeah. skyrocketing prices. Or I will trade you this vinyl for uh, a magazine or a cardigan or a hoodie or whatever. They will trade these things like poker chips. We, we've devolved back to the bartering system. We have truly gone, I will tr- I will trade you beads for coins. Yeah. That type of thing. Um, is there um, anything so else? when we... I think we can transition to unlicensed Absolutely. Merch. I think, I think this it's is time a, for me I, to spread my wings. I think this is a definite thing before you say it. I want to I want to preface preface by preface. saying preface by saying that because of how intense these buyers are, there and how limited stock and limited availability a lot of these pieces were that these artists never would have bought, imagined, especially because of the buying the buying habits, the buying habits of the consumers for these pieces, they they lost stock immediately. There was no stock. Yeah. And because of that, and because of a couple of other things, like people not being very appreciative or reciprocative for what they were seeing these artists create, thus opened the door for unlicensed merchandising. And I will let you take it from there for your moments. So I feel like, um fan merch specifically so merch made by fans unlicensed fan merch blew up in 2020 it blew up during covid you started having a lot of people who liked artists who liked music um who couldn't go anywhere um a lot of us were school aged like college age there were so many people college aged who started doing this um and so they had an influx of time I think it was a combination of influx of time, increased time on social media, um, and being slightly bored. And people started seeing how they could market themselves and market the things that they make and sell them and make money. Um, okay. So for unlicensed merch as a whole, I feel like you kind of have a couple of different categories. Mm -hmm. You have people like me and people like you, people who design their own stuff. I make my own stuff. Sam has hers fulfilled for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you also have bigger corporations. I want to say like you can go on Amazon right now and you can buy reproductions of official artist merch for almost any artist on like Amazon, Walmart, those like marketplaces where prices are really like the main thing that drives sales to and honestly, the lowest, Etsy the as lowest well. cost item. Yeah. So just how cheaply can they produce an item to sell it? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they really are dupes. Sometimes you can't tell a difference. A lot of times you can tell a difference because they're making an item as cheaply as possible. And an $18 sweatshirt feels like an $18 sweatshirt. Um, and also the quality of the print a lot of times they'll just yeah. they won't have the physical copy in front of them though so they are taking basically a screenshot online and then, then put it into slapping it on a t-shirt so the quality is blurry rough um and, and i really like to differentiate between those two because i think comparing somebody like me or somebody like sam comparing what we make and what we put out to something that is sold on amazon 
is like two in- incredibly different products. Um, Etsy used to be full of just people like me and Sam, mm-hmm. Sam and I, one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually not anymore. No. Etsy is starting to become overgrown with sellers that are more Amazon appropriate well you can Um, also kind of tell after a while these are basically like these are like ghost accounts like you've heard the terms for uh ghost buyers these are ghost accounts that are kind of like or even ghost kitchens like those ghost restaurants you go on uber eats and you're like (laughs) okay ghost kitchen it literally is where you'll go on uber eats and you're like okay well why is guy fieri's restaurant at the buca de bebo yeah, it's it's one of it's weird. one of those weird nuanced things that it's you'll like be when like. I live in a tiny town, and I'm like, what do you mean there's a new restaurant? Oh, that's actually just a Denny's. That's it's just sh- a Denny's selling wings. It, it's very interesting, but you'll you can go on and see if you type in Harry Styles, Taylor Swift, Phoebe yeah. Bridgers, any of these big artists, you will immediately be inundated with how many just reproductions of not even anything creative. It is basically just copy and pasted old merch, new merch, merch yeah. that's currently being put out, merch that's way off the market um things that obviously um, there's a demand for and the price point is cutting so cutting like if i was to put something out or rally was to doing the exact yeah. same thing making our versions of it our prices would be undercut so insanely because they are selling yeah. at such a high like you they're know, selling ter- as close to cost as profitable i would say yeah um, they're probably they're making pennies on the dollar oh yeah pennies um, on the dollar but it'll make It'll make them happy to get more pennies because they're yeah. selling so much. And it's just garbage that they're yeah, putting out. Garbage. Um, it's garbage. It's stolen. It's stolen from people like us or it's stolen from original artists. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for the demand in unlicensed merchandise, though, is because a lot of times artists' merchandise isn't what fans want. Mm-hmm. Um and that's the reason why I'm so successful is because I am a fan and I make stuff for the categories that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I make Harry Potter, Harry Styles, Taylor Swift related stuff. Um, and I get requests all the time to do fan related stuff for topics that I don't like. Um, and I don't do it because I think it's super obvious. I think you can go on Amazon or you can go on Etsy and you can very obviously see who's making merch for things that they enjoy and things that they understand um, and who's making merch uh, because, because they were they, asked to or because, because there's a demand going to sell because they think people will want it um, and not necessarily because they like or understand the content that they're making merch for. I think they that's will, super apparent. You can like, you can easily see it when it's like a copy and paste of a lyric with like, you know, um, for example, any lyric from Midnight's and a clock. I pointed okay, well, at mi- I do have <laughs> I do have that in my shop right now, but it's fine. No, but um. like you know what I mean, where it's like any lyric, but like it could be nothing associated that has like any deep meaning, and it's like yeah. just midnight, and then midnight hand at a clock, which is not necessarily bad merch. It's is it more- midnight or midnights? Because only one of those are the names of an album. Oh no, no, it could be either. It, it could be either. It could be either because that's how little they care. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be right. They just want to have something that they can be like Taylor Swift merch short stop yeah like there you can always tell it's them because <laughs> because yeah. the titles of these products are so ridiculous it's like buzzwords um and there's such a demand for i would say fan merch but it's not just because artists make bad merch also sometimes artists or customers don't want to buy merch from specific places. I get messages all the time. If you are JK Rowling or her team, please stop listening. But <laughs> I get messages all the time that ask me if my Harry Potter merch is licensed and it isn't because they won't give licensing licensing to someone my like as small as me. Um, and that actually influences people to buy from me because she's yeah. made transphobic remarks. Um, and mm-hmm. she's viewed as transphobic. It's not a question. It's a statement. No, it's, it's, it's a fact. Um, and that is like, so people will actively avoid buying things that are licensed where she would profit from it. Um, and, but oh, it's yeah. also a selling factor, like um, Authoritative Corns and Roses. Mm-hmm. Fan Which is shops, a book, right? They, they started selling licensing to fan shops. I don't sell stuff for it yet. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but like fan shops will like proudly advertise, like endorsed by SJ, Sarah J. Mass. Um, but that is few and far between. I would say 99% of the fan-made merch is not licensed. No. 
Um, that's just the reality of the situation. I think the um, other venue that you need to point out is how the other point where a lot of people don't want to support artists because, you know, they might not want to support the artist because they maybe have said something controversial. They might be a controversial person inherently. Yeah. But then there's the other thing where they might just not like or they want more. Like, a lot of times with Harry, people will... How much mer- How much merch did Harry put out for his Harry's house that was actually related to the songs? Not a, not a real thing. to as it was. He put no, out... Not a real thing. Almost nothing. Almost um, nothing. So you have this pit of... Um, you have this pit of demand where people are just begging for merch. Because, yeah. I mean, it's album of the year. And he was selling so little. Album of the year twice now, both in the UK yeah. and Brits in America. And the Grammys. It, well, the Grammys are international-ish. Well, but they maybe don't... They're just, maybe they're just the Americans. Well, to be fair, though, are the Brits international? Not really. They're not. You have to, be, you have, to have a British passport to win. <laughs> I know. I'm saying. He got it yeah. in two different versions. Anyway, regardless yeah. of the fact, people will see stuff um where they where they just they they notice fans who make merch notice the gaps and they mm-hmm. immediately are like you know it'd be good uh a shirt for matilda which is one of the songs off of harry's house where it's such a deep song but there's nothing for it and he could have yeah. something so passionate and personal but i think there comes a point where an artist doesn't want to get too personal with a song that they're going to make merch off of that and i kind of appreciate that in a sense but then again uh, I the would demand like is there. The demand is honestly. there. The demand is there. I think, I think that some artists are not putting out enough merch. I think some artists, Taylor Swift, put out we too can many. Narrow it down a little. You, you can, know? you can, you can do that. I think, and this is. Just I don't what, need the coasters and the matches and the water bottle and the poster and the PJs and the sweatshirt. Sometimes you can have too much. From the perspective I have as someone who makes the merch the way I make it, I started making merch because I wanted to make stuff that I would wear. And I, yeah. and I, cause I would buy Harry merch and I would think, oh my God, I cannot wear this. It's just his face on it. it it's blatant. And I want something more subtle. And a lot That's of- still it, what he's selling. He's still selling stuff I know. <laughs> it's one of those things where a lot of these people have grown up and it's not this- that these artists don't recognize that their fans have grown up. Some artists have kind of gotten that feeling, but other fans kind of just want, you know, something more subtle, something that's why there's such an influx of people buying things that is merch related or artist adjacent, where they're not going to necessarily pay the money to get something with Harry Styles or Taylor Swift's face or any of these artists face on it. They want to get something like, Oh, let's talk about this. The JW Anderson cardigan. How, that was something so insane how Harry wore a cardigan once. 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 On, the t- on the Today Show, he sang like three songs. No, no, no. Harry wore it once, and it was for the rehearsal. Right. It wasn't even for the performance. It was not for the performance, but I want to, I feel like this is such, such an interesting thing that I want to touch on. Harry wore it once for maybe like two or three songs that he checked. Then... Fans were obsessed with it. They all started making this because it was a crochet crew neck, uh, not crew neck, crochet uh, cardigan. It wasn't really too hard. People, fans were blowing up on TikTok and social media platforms by posting tutorials. For, for recreating it, for posting tutorials. And then after that, J.W. Anderson saw how many people were really wanting this and then just freely put out exactly how to make it, what the, the patterns cut. were. yeah exactly how to make it and then i forget where it's located but the cardigan itself harry's physical cardigan as well as a fan-made cardigan were put into an art exhibit because it was just actually insane that it became a phenomenon yeah and that also started that was also during covid Mm -hmm. so that was also when people had an influx of free time um so I feel like that was a very, like, specific situation as, like, a, a very specific set of circumstances that came together. Because I think if that had happened, like, right now, it wouldn't have gotten that big. People would not have had as much free time. No. A lot of these were people who I, I think that it's important to note that we are kind of on the outs. Not necessarily, like, fully. We are on the outer edge of the fans as we are in our mid-20s. Which is not saying, which is not saying that we are not in tune with things. 
But a lot of these people became fans during the pandemic, and the people who became fans are predominantly teenagers. Uh, yeah. So you would see all these teenagers who were not necessarily in school because there was no option for them to be in physical school. They yeah. had all this time. They had all this time to ask their parents for money if they don't have jobs to afford their own things. Uh, they asked their so parents much for time to ask your parents for money. <laughs> <laughs> they had time to ask their parents to buy things for them. They had time to create things on their own. Yeah. The biggest thing, like cricket. Like, the brand and, like, the actual, cri- like, the cricket, like, thingy. What is it called? Was it just called a cricket? You know what used to be a cricket. Like, a cricket I know. I know. So, like, I was use- the cricket girl. Using cricket, like, the- that thing where it cuts out all of these designs. People could either, like, screen print with, like, the uh, paints. Or they could actually just screen print with the actual, like, vinyl. Is that what it is? It's not called screen printing. It's just iron-on vinyl. No, no, no. That, that's a different. That, that was the different thing I was saying. Yeah. The vinyl, or people would actually, like, take it and so they could screen Use it print. to make a screen for screen printing. Yeah. yeah, so people would do that because the crickets were one of the cheaper avenues to get into making merch. And then from there, then people saw, oh, you can buy a cheap embroidery machine for how 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 much? The how cheapest much embroidery machine, Sam? The cheapest one. I want you to... I so, think. I give you my journey. So, I started with a $300 embroidery machine, yeah. which was a piece of garbage. Would, would that be the cheapest one, or what, is there one below it? Hey, Samantha, you should not even buy that one. No, no, no. I'm, cu- I'm curious, because these are... I'm they t- don't get cheaper than that. I thought there was the Singer one? Not the Singer one. The other one. There was, like, a really cheap one. Like, 200 I thought. I think it was just on sale. Regardless, fans were able to buy those once they got a yeah. little bit more money. And they're like, I can do this. And then I want talk about your experience, like your journey from going from what you use to what you use now. Um, so I started with a $300 embroidery machine in my parents' basement. Um, that was a piece of garbage. I started with five sweatshirts. Um, so five designs on sweatshirts, all Harry Styles based, put them on Etsy. They blew up on Etsy. Um, I think like the first day I posted them on Etsy, I maybe got like six or seven sales, which is not normal for Etsy. No, um, especially because I think the funniest thing that I really quickly want to cut into say is Etsy before was not a fan merch dominated platform. It was mainly like small little grannies, which you would assume small little grannies making it was like people selling like homemade tote bags, tote bags, some jewelry, bags, jewelry, uh, lots of jewelry. Um, it was a place for artists to yeah. post their stuff. Um, and it's quickly gotten away from that, which is really sad. Um, so you guess you started with like a very like, basic kind of model i started with a rudimentary embroidery machine i got into better embroidery machines i was quickly reinvesting the money that i made back into my business and i was also getting a lot of orders at once i had one design that was doing very 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 well on etsy um so i wouldn't say my um beginning was the norm Mm -mm. because there's people who have amazing things and put them on etsy and they just don't get sales because they're not getting visibility um etsy sells etsy has so many listings on it if you can't get through that algorithm um your items just aren't being seen so it's not that you're not making cool things it's just that nobody can see them um but i was quickly reinvesting all the money that i was making i also started in august i started in august i posted on etsy in october um i started doing embroidery in august but um, I started in October, so I got all of the Christmas sales for 2020, which is also a very unique time when Etsy blew up because people couldn't in-store shop. Um, and there was this big push to buy from small businesses. A lot of people on Etsy would also sell in person at in-person events, um, like craft shows, art shows, that kind of thing. So Etsy really was great for them to still be able to make money during COVID. Um, now I am not in my parents' basement anymore. Um, I used to live in my parents' basement. No longer live in my parents' basement. No longer work in my parents' basement. I want to make sure people know it was by choice. She, she willingly lived in the basement. Not she I was mean, forced like, down there. She liked the space. She liked the space. I liked the space. She it liked the space. She liked the privacy. Um, I have 10 commercial grade embroidery machines now, as well as a direct direct to garment printer so it's a printer that prints directly onto textiles like shirts how much are your machines let's ask let's ask the big question what how much are your machines now um market price on my machines is anywhere from like 12 to nineteen thousand dollars a piece and to reiterate there is no wrong way to start 
No. You don't. You do and, not need to start with getting a nine to twelve thousand dollar machine. No. Or, um. And there's people who have amazing shops who choose to do them part time and still have their real careers. Um. And that's a valid choice too. Um. Like Sam, you don't do this full time. No. Um. And there's a lot of times I wish I didn't do this full time. Um. But <laughs> it's also the favorite, my favorite job I've ever had. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll very quickly touch on what I do. So I make all my designs on my iPad. I use um, Procreate. And then I upload those to a, like, mm, it's technically, I, I don't know the exact wording for it, but it's like a third-party kind of site, Printify. I, it's a, a, oh my gosh, it's a print-on-demand yeah, that's uh, manufacturer who mm-hmm. manufactures order-to-order and then fulfills the order for you, so sends it directly to the customer. Yep. So I have no hand in it besides... I um, love mansplaining. <laughs> thank you. I, I love what I do in the sense where I, the only thing I have to ensure is that the print quality stays on par, which people will email me or uh respond to posts that i have um they'll they'll contact me i'm not i'm not unavailable i don't sign myself away oh, they're, after. Let, they're letting you know they, they, they let you know if a consumer will let you know if something's not right uh it's not by way of avoiding it so they will let you know uh i will upload my design directly on Printify and then from there Printify will immediately connect it to my Etsy account and will upload it there including um, not only the color variants that I have available but the shipping costs as well. I do have I do run sales and those are all through Etsy. Etsy takes a cut from um, posting it as well as updating it. Uh, what else do they take a cut of? They take cuts from Etsy takes a cut of your, they charge you an extra credit card processing fee. They charge you a shipping label fee. like a like Oh, a for me. Processing fee for the, what? For me, they don't do all that. Because I, they, they, shipping label processing, not for shipping labels. I don't make shipping labels. It's just the shipping oh. fee, yeah. So for me, I get a shipping cost, which is immediately the same as the one on Printify because it just connects it. So if, like, for yeah. instance, I have a shirt that's $25, the shipping is usually, like, between $3, $4. Unless it's um overseas, it'll be around, like, uh 10 to 15 But uh, Etsy will charge me an ad for uh, how often they sh- will, like, promote my pieces to a fan to have equal searches. It'll just promote it. Um... And then from there, if someone purchases something on my Etsy, it will immediately port over to my Printify. It will take money out of my bank account. Um, and then once I get my funds from Etsy, and usually like a, the next day, unless it's a weekend, I will get the money back. So it'll kind of even out, plus give me what I um, make as profit. And then Printify ships out the product. They supply an immediate um, shipping label with a code tracking number and uh i have i'm pretty hands-off unless there's issues and like we said they will tell you if there's an issue so let's 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 look back at our list oh we can talk about why unlicensed merchandise is actually way more flexible than regular merchandise Mm -hmm. and it's our ability to jump on trends Mm -hmm. um i have a great example for this for um harry potter specifically during covid when draco malfoy became very, very, very popular on TikTok. And I think also Instagram. I was on TikTok at the time, so that's the experience I have. Draco Malfoy was very popular. Um, if you're not familiar with him, across all eight of the Harry Potter movies, he's in it for a collected 40 minutes altogether. He was on screen. I thought it was less. 40, no, 40 total minutes oh, 40 across total. all eight movies. Okay. I'll, give him, his, I'll um, give him his cookies. And those movies are long movies, too. So 40 minutes is really just a... If we if we took the comparison chart, which would be just embarrassing to compare to how many minutes oh, Harry's Harry's on screen for like all of the minutes. All of the minutes. It's not even all of the thing minutes. is, it's a difference in who's calculating by hours and who's calculating by minutes. Draco yeah. Malfoy is in minutes. Uh, but um so I went to uh Universal Studios, Harry Potter World in Florida, and this was just when COVID was ending. Like we it was just when they were lifting the masks. Um, so like I had to wear a mask on the plane, but I didn't have to wear a mask at the studio. I don't know why Sam's looking at me like that. Because I just forgot we should gently mention how I'm Riley so and I met. Messaging Draco Malfoy. <laughs> I know, but gently mentioning how we met. Oh, okay. We'll get to that in a second. Yes. Um. So I was at the parks, and I am a Slytherin. This is information you don't need about me, but it's important for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was 
looking around and Draco Malfoy had already peaked on TikTok and come back down. I was looking for Slytherin merch at these parks, which is a very big place. I was at both parks. You can take the train across to either one of them. They did not have Slytherin merchandise. I asked someone about it. Mm-hmm. A nice old lady who works there. Mm-hmm. I assume she works like, there. Yeah, a lady who works there. Not just a random one. And hey, she's lady! Like, oh. <laughs> she's like, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's this thing called Draco Talk on TikTok, <laughs> and that's why we don't have any of the merch. While at the same time, so Universal is just... It doesn't have merch anymore. They had a little bit. They sold all of it. They have no way of, like, getting back on the horse after that. Not, at least not quickly. Um, we had fan shops immediately, immediately putting out Draco Malfoy-themed merch. I would say within hours. Within Some of them were working on it within minutes of seeing a TikTok, I'm sure. I was working on it within minutes of seeing a TikTok. Um, and so you have this really flexible um, production ability. We also see this with, like, Twilight. We started seeing a Twilight resurgence. Twilight is dead and gone. Dead and gone. Yet, if you go to Hot Topic. Okay, but this predates it coming back to Hot Topic. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. Don't cite the dark magic to me. I was there when it was written. Thank you, Queen. Um, (laughs) I also put out, I I think one of the funny thing is Twilight got a boom, and then crossover merch happens where people are just like i'm creative i have free liberty me making a twilight one direction shirt with their from total eclipse of the heart so much harry potter x harry styles merch and i'm like this is something that could never be officially made no harry styles and harry potter would never officially make merch together they're not in the same vicinity of like no believability they're, like, I'm never going to get a Slytherin reputation X, or a uh, Taylor Swift reputation X Slytherin sweatshirt from anywhere other than a fan shop. No. Um, let's see. One Direction. You, can, you can't get official One Direction merch anymore yes, that you I can. know of. You can. Uh, there are avenues of ways to get it, but the, the problem is that it's not that there's a lack of merch for One Direction. It is that there is a lack, like, legit One Direction merch is in junior sizes. Uh, women's junior cuts so most of them are uh the female i love a women's slim fit a a women's silhouette tee if you if you have it if you don't know what those look like they're usually fit to like curves they have like a curved design women's fit tee right now Uh, that's all i need they're not they never really change because their fan base at the time of one direction but their fan base has grown now yeah but but they don't there's no they're, One Direction does not make merch anymore because they're not an entity yeah. that needs to. So all of the merch that still remains is and will forever be is dated, dated. So none of it's modern. That's why even more so, a lot of people started making One Direction merch because there yeah. was none. A lot of the fan made merch comes from the pa- the fact that there is just a huge gap in from when the fans were appreciating and liking the artists when they were actively doing stuff to the fans yeah. now. The fans now age. The artists that don't produce music. Don't, they they age too, but their music doesn't, and the yeah. fans demand stuff. And this isn't music based. Um, no. You'll see this also with like Gilmore Girls. Absolutely, I mean, we talked about Twilight earlier, but Gilmore Girls as well. They're not making official merch a whole lot. They're still making a small amount of official merch for um, Gilmore Girls, but it's pretty limited. Where are you going to find like eighty percent of it in the unlicensed fan made market? Yeah, I want to gently touch on how Riley and I met very quickly. Oh, yeah. So, I started to develop a very random, I don't know how it happened, I will forever say I don't know how I developed a following on any social media platform, but on TikTok I started to gain some, like, notability, in a way, and Riley messaged me on Instagram and asked if she could supply me a couple of pieces from her store, and I was like, this is the first time i To review, not just for freezies. Oh, no, 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 not for freezies. To review. And I promised, I was like, oh my god, this is the first time anyone has ever reached out to me for anything like this. Because I didn't know how to find people. Sam, I'm so sorry. I should have been reaching out to bigger people. (laughs) I know. What a shame. Me and my, how many thousand followers? I think it's 27,000. My 20 followers at the time. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I think it's around like 24. It's between 25 and 20-something thousand followers at the Sam moment. Sam in her living room showing your mom and her mom's boyfriend a sweatshirt I sent her. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. So I I accepted and Riley had sent me some stuff. I reviewed it. I don't even think the video did that well. I think it maybe at the time had like a couple hundred views. A couple it hundred. didn't do well. <laughs> but to be fair though. But to be fair, though, it was fun, and Riley and I became friends when she came down yeah. uh, to go to Universal. 
uh, I met up with her for the first time and we became fast friends. And we went Everybody to- meets their online friends in Diagon Alley. We all meet each other IRL in real life uh, and, and, and pray that we're not going to get murdered in an alley. Oh, or human trafficked. Or human trafficked. Apparently, both of our parents at the time thought we're going to get human trafficked by each other. Just my mom. My dad was. My dad had no comment. Um, but it's it it it's very interesting just to see how merchandising has changed because I feel like we need to start closing it up here. Um, so just to like kind of reiterate, merchandising overall has changed throughout. I want to say the course of time, obviously, but predominantly within the last i would say physically five years it has really really changed i think covid played a big role in that absolutely i i will say this with my whole chest i was getting unemployment uh at the time when i was fired both because of um covid but because there was just and personal reasons no i i i I quit (laughs) i quit they did not they did not let me quit and then they fired me and i was like you know what i'm gonna get 500 dollars a week until i have a job again i'll take it i used my funds to then procure merchandise that i had lacked plus other things i didn't just buy merchandise but i can fully attest to the desire to buy merchandise because i did not go to any One Direction concerts. I barely saw Harry at the time. I had only gone to one concert um, prior to COVID. Um, so I was, I had this deep desire that I wanted to make up for things that I had missed. And I think that's a big thing for merch buying. I think that was a catalyst. It, of course, has deferred from what it originally was, like the meaning behind a lot of people buying things. I think there, I think there does still exist um, a junket, like not a junket, a little like offshoot of people who still buy merch for that exact reason. But nowadays people will buy merch because uh, fan merch, cause it's more creative. They'll buy original merch for high prices. Cause they really just want the merch. They'll recreate they want, yeah, that. They want that official item. They want, yeah. they want like, cause with Harry Styles and a lot of these artists, they will put their name on the back in the inside. There will be some indicator that this is official licensed merch. Um, but then there's that offshoot of people who are like, I want to buy the merch. I don't want to buy necessarily, you know, the official merch. I don't necessarily want to um, make it. They'll buy people who make their own merch. They'll buy people who will um, recreate it, unfortunately, a lot of times. Or they'll just get something new. Or they'll create on their own. And I think think watching that change from someone who worked in the industry in my capacity, I think that is just such an interesting thing to note. And I I vastly appreciate the changing the signs of the time. If anyone The signs oh. of the times. Can you hear the crickets? I, I can hear the crickets, hear. but you know. Can you hear them? I can deeply appreciate how the fans have changed. Yeah. Not necessarily themselves, but their buying patterns, their purchasing patterns, what they're wanting, what the demand has become. And I think artists are slowly but surely realizing that in some capacities, not all of them, but are slowly realizing that there is a different merch need for what they are putting out and that their fans, there's a cry out for these things. What is your final thoughts? I think that moving forward, artists should be hiring fan merch shops to at least design their merch, if not produce their merch, at least design their merch. Um, I think it's the way of the future. What are you whispering at me? I was trying to say mention Harry suing because I didn't want to interrupt you. Um. Oh, that's on here. We just skipped over. We it. did skip over. I guess I'll very quickly, quickly, quickly yeah. say it. Um, unfortunately, with uh, not necessarily the fan recreated merch, or when I say recreated, I don't mean a direct carbon copy. I am saying. Uh, fan recreated where they will make it and improve it. Yeah. Or just fan originated merch. We are going to talk very, 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 very quickly about how the people who are like the Amazon, the Etsy, just direct copy, paste, poor quality, send it out, mass. Those individuals and those entities and those like ghost shops are right now being targeted by big artists. Harry Styles being one of them. Um, I can't remember a couple of the others. I 
don't know them off the top of my head, but Harry Styles is going quite um, viral for him currently winning. I think he won the first part of the case where he is cracking down on these these Amazon sellers, these Etsy sellers who are necessarily ripping fans off in in simple terms by selling unlicensed merch that is a direct copy um, infringing on his words, things that are synonymous with him or direct direct work. So that was just one little detail. Uh, Riley finished taking it away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've also seen on Etsy, um, I got copyright strikes by Harry Styles, not Same. because I was copying his work, but because I was using his name in my listings and you're not allowed to do that. Um, same, same, same. People get copyright strikes. Um, people who aren't on Etsy get copyright strikes. I know that when people were making Stranger Things merch, they were getting emails from Shopify, their website host, saying, hey, Netflix reached out. If you keep doing this, I believe it happened to Stranger Things. It also happened with Bridgerton. If you keep doing this, you're going to get in trouble. So kind of like a warning. Um, Taylor Swift is more notorious for being clear Taylor about Swift this. Especially when an album comes out, she was laying pretty low for a while. Um, and then the second Midnight's came out, she immediately um, <clears throat> was copyright striking people, which is their intellectual property. So it's they are fully within their rights. We are not going to deny that. We are not going I'm to not condone. We're also not going to condone using direct copies, nor um, if you're wanting to make merch. I support it people has making to be your own stuff. You have to yeah. be unique. You have to be creative. Not only that, but you have to make sure that you are doing it in a way where you are not infringing on the copyrights in place by or the trademarks in place by these artists or yeah. these um entities because you will uh a copyright strike might not seem like a lot, especially on Etsy. You can get those emails so well, chill. At one point, um, because I have personally experienced this, you will get a couple of those emails and you're like, gosh. I wonder, like, how many of these I could possibly get. And then one day you'll wake up to an email that's not like the other emails that says your shop doesn't exist here anymore. Yep. Um, but so also I mean, you could be sued. Like Harry, oh, Styles yeah, take, sued. Harry Styles taking these things to a high court, a actual court system to get these people taken down. That is how elevated it can be. So if you want to make yeah. fan merch, the biggest things we will say is be creative, be unique, and make sure that you are following along with correct copyright trademark law oh. and watch your back watch your back uh if you get if, you get, West out if you get one of those emails do not take it lightly make sure you correct all if not the 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 problem uh, i don't know when i got my first one i had a full panic attack and i thought my life was ending so i i got them from nirvana i got them don't take it too light don't take it too lightly yeah. but don't take it too hard um Make sure you look into it. Make sure you see and read exactly what the problem is. But also, you can feel free to ask people. There's no shame in that. But yes, closing, closing, closing thoughts, Riley. Yeah. Closing thoughts. I think artists should be hiring fans to at least design their merch. We see it every now and then. But a lot of times people put stuff out and we're just kind of like, did a 40-year-old white man design this? Because I'm pretty sure he did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and listen to the fans. Taylor Swift fans have been begging for more cardigans and she just doesn't put them out. So now merch shops are making them and being incredibly successful. There's one called Loops by Brandon. Made cardigans for like every single album. Very successful. Blew up for it. <clears throat> um, hire people who like your stuff to work for you and then listen to the people who like your stuff when they ask for you to make specific things. I don't think it's hard. Mm -mm. I, don't, I don't say to do this, but if ever the opportunity arise arises you i definitely suggest not riley herself but you as a listener should definitely think about applying not necessarily necessarily showing off the merch that you've made for other artists but offer ideas uh offer some generic things because there should and i feel like there will be uh an insurgent of a lot of artists accepting these fans because they can see that if they have a good PR team, they are definitely having someone see that there is an outcry for better quality merch, more more thoughtful merch, I feel like is the, yeah. the right word. thoughtful is a good word. Thoughtful yeah. because it, there comes a point where you realize, is this a money grab or is there some actual thought and care being put in it? Necessarily, yeah. Harry, I don't see it as more so a money grab as much as Taylor. I just see that there's a lack of thought. Or um, I feel like I've been really mean to Taylor. So I'm just gonna no, keep my no. I think that I think that there is 
plenty of room to offer critical critique. And I think as an artist, there is, um, you hear critique all the time. And there's a point where you have to listen to the artist's um, fans and understand that there is, there's something, yeah. there, there's, there's room for change. There's no one is demanding. You need to wipe away your entire store to any artist. There's just, you know, take, take yes. some, take some advice. Look at what um fans are not only requesting, but purchasing from stores that aren't necessarily your own personal ones. But I yeah. think, I think that is about all we have to say. So hopefully, I think that's it. Yeah. I ho- hopefully we just keep improving with this podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, Have a great night.